0: The Women of Ill Repute, with your hosts, Wendy Mesley and Maureen Holloway. Wendy, I'm really looking forward to this episode because our guest this week is John Moore. He's the highly respected and hugely popular host of uh, Moore in the Morning on News Talk 1010. But more importantly, I think for our purposes uh, this week, he is a dear friend to both you and me. And so we thought that instead of talking about news and traffic and weather... Uh, which is what John usually does, or, or, you know, basically anointing cabinet ministers through interviews, we thought that we would talk about friendship.
1: Yeah, so John, he he's, if you're watching this on YouTube, he's the big S at the bottom of the screen. We hope he's going to appear at some point, because this is all brand new. But while he's in the wings, um, Mo and I, as she said, we're going to quiz each other, which is a little bit unfair, because I think it's sort of unfair to me, I think, because you've known him. You've known him for what? Thirty years?
0: Almost, yeah. And you've known him for what?
1: Seven or eight. Hey, well, I. Well, I win already. <laughs> so, uh, does that mean you're the better friend?
0: <laughs> no, but I may know more about him. But let's okay, let's, so uh, go. Go. Let's try this for shits and giggles. We'll uh, uh, we'll ask each other questions and see what we know. So, okay. Uh, Wendy, true or false? John Moore used to work in a daycare.
1: I have no idea.
0: You have fifty percent chance of getting this. Right.
1: I'll say maybe. No, I'll say because I'm a journalist. I'll say no. Well, he, he did.
0: <laughs> <laughs> You're off to a roaring start. All right, ask me one.
1: Um. So you've told me, and maybe maybe John shouldn't be hearing this, but you've told me that I think he's confessed to this, so it's okay. You've told me that he's kind of bad at a particular sport.
0: Oh, he's told everybody. He's
1: oh, terrible which sport involved. is it?
0: It's golf. He's hugely enthusiastic. Uh, But yeah, and I think the 10 years he's been playing, he's, you know, improved this much. And if you can't see me, it's not very much. But you know what? He brings a lot of joy.
1: Well, I didn't play because I I could never even hit the ball. So, you know, I tried for 10 minutes, but.
0: Yeah, his gift is that he makes the rest of his foursome feel, you know, adequate. So that's that's a nice (laughs) thing about John. All right. Uh, He is, I'll give you a hint on this. He goes by John S.
1: Moore. Do you know what the S stands for? I do. It, it's Sanford yes. because that's in his email. Yes. yes, so I I do happen to know that, and and I think he sent us a bio at some point because uh, he's kind of nervous about doing this, which is great is for adorable. somebody who has been in radio his whole life. So Sanford goes back to the Civil War. So I'm imagining that's the U.S. Civil War.
0: He is. He fought. He fought for the North. He fought <laughs> for the good guys. <laughs> <laughs>
1: So have I got a quiz for you? Um, if he had not become a morning man, if he had not gone into broadcasting, what would he have been? He would have been a lawyer. Huh. He didn't know that. He actually he actually
0: went, thought of going back to school or going to law school like only a couple of years ago. It was like, John, it's not like you don't have a big day job. But yeah, he, <laughs> he would have been a lawyer. Probably a very good one. Okay. Um,
1: I think he in the star on Jeopardy forever, like he would still be in that role. I think that's what he secretly, not so secretly, wants he to do. He was on
0: Jeopardy. Yeah, but you knew. You, you know, he was on I, Jeopardy and <laughs> lost really badly. Something
1: else you shouldn't say. <laughs> I'm just, I'm not doing any <laughs> of we're, we're friends, here. though. Really, <laughs> it's a golfer. who uh, lost okay, on Jeopardy.
0: <laughs> All right. Okay. Um. 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 Uh, there's one thing that John won't eat if you're having him for dinner. He has a dietary restriction, and you've had him
1: over uh, for dinner. Do you know what it is? I could guess, but I actually have no clue. I should know, but my husband does all the cooking. But my job is to, is to send the email saying or whatever, saying, "Hey, is there anything you don't eat? I have you should know. I have no idea. He won't eat beef. Oh, he'll
0: eat—he'll eat like wild boar or or venison, but he won't eat beef. He still has that fear of bovine sponginess,
1: or whatever. I think that's what it's you called. Bovine you know yeah, sponges. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you know what? Okay, okay. one more, well, one this more is bad and then we'll bring too, because I'm thinking of of uh, what can he not ride? <laughs> a tractor. I promise you, he can't ride a tractor. Uh, Maybe we should just talk to John. He's a good
0: cyclist and he's taken up horseback
1: riding. There. And he's got an S. He's got a big S on his name, which must be for Sanford. So so close in, John. Get in here.
0: Get in. John Moore, everybody.
2: (laughs) This feels like a 1950s game show.
0: Yes. Yes. I know. Wouldn't that be fun?
2: For people listening, I mean, I've been here listening to you and and listening to two people talk about you is very bizarre.
0: Well, now we'll talk at you and that'll be- Well, tell us what you're good at. Yeah. (laughs) What are you good at,
2: Sean? What am I good (laughs) at? I mean, I guess I'm good at radio because that's been working out all right. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not a particularly good horseback rider, but I did take it up and I don't talk about it on the show because I think it's kind of bougie. I've fallen (laughs) off a few times, but that's perfectly normal. Um, You don't even
0: like horses.
2: Well, that, that's the thing. I I regard horses <laughs> as giant cats that could kill you. They are inscrutable. You look into a horse's eye and you just see, I'm not in the mood right now. No. And, <laughs> yeah.
0: Would you want, like, if you were a horse, I mean, even though you're designed with that broad back for people to sit on you, I I mean, I always feel bad for the horses because they don't choose to be wherever they are in battle or pulling wagons or what have you. So no, now look at you riding one and you don't even like it.
2: Well, and now, cause that's why they use the expression broken, right? I mean, basically you have to crush the horse's will to live in order to make it rideable.
1: <laughs> but not the back. <laughs> oh, well, it's kind of lovely to see you. We've been at this for about a year, John, and you've been sort of with us from the beginning. Cause like, well, we were talking about it earlier, you and Mo go way back And you and I go a little bit back. Let's, uh, yeah, let's talk about
0: friendship. Let's talk about that. Um, Yeah, because I think our topic is friendship because who better to talk about friendship than three friends? And three is an interesting number because there's a triangulation implied. Um, which we've already touched on. We'll get back to it. No competition. Who knows John better? You Who do, does John you like do. better? <laughs> well, I don't know. I certainly have known him longer. So John, you and I met under, you hated me when we, well, maybe that's a strong word, but you resented me when we met.
2: Well, I remember quite markedly, I used to tell this tale about how we met and you one day turned around and said, you got to stop that. <laughs>
0: Um <laughs> well apparently I'm re-inviting you to the table.
2: The story as told was that I mean you and I were doing very similar work and I would also say that without, you know, putting myself on the couch, uh, when I was a younger person I tended to be somewhat envious and jealous of people and so I would listen to you on the radio and think she's so funny and she's so good at this and then what happened was if I remember correctly I was doing entertainment columns and criticism and goofiness in montreal and then they decided we want somebody of a national stature so we're going to bring in maureen holloway so believe me i was not <laughs> a fan and then <laughs> you got pregnant with ronan your second yes. son and you got, they no, said
0: and you have no responsibility in that no, just no, no. No. And then i got knocked <laughs> up
2: Extraordinarily odd. (laughs) And they said, John, we need you to fill in while Maureen's on Mat leave. And I thought, well, screw that noise. But then if I remember correctly, I I don't remember how I got in touch. You know, this is the funny thing we can touch on about how people become friends. But somehow I think I wrote to you and said, let's go have lunch. And we had lunch. And of course you're hilarious. And I'd like to think I'm vaguely amusing. And uh, here we are, I don't know, a couple of decades later. Yeah,
0: it was, uh, you moved to Toronto. You, uh, you took up, you took the job at uh, News Talk 1010 in afternoons, I think. And you called, you did the thing that we, that is hard to do. You called me up and said, would you like to go for lunch? We went for lunch at Spinnaker's, which is down on the waterfront. I remember that so well. And I remember thinking, well, good for you, because you did that thing. You made, you were forward enough. To ask me to do that, and then we just got on like a house on fire, and I don't. And then we became friends.
2: Yeah, and to the point of you know, like we vacation together. Oh, God, I've been everywhere,
0: We've done everything. Okay, you too. How did you meet?
1: Well, I, there's kind of two solitudes when you're, uh, when you're at CBC, you, you know, you think it's the whole world and it's not the whole world. And so I I was sort of aware of you guys, but, you know, living in my own world and then wanted to do a panel and CBCers are not allowed to have any opinions. So we wanted to reach out to people who are fun and interesting. And, and uh, John was on the panel on, on when I was on CBC uh, anchoring on Sunday nights, John came on. And he was so good that CBC actually, I think I told you about this, John. CBC actually got mad at me and said, you can't have John anymore because he's too good and he's competition for Matt Galloway, who does the morning show and you do the morning show on on CFRB. You can't, you can't have him because it's competition. And I'm like, well, Matt's a great guy, but he's not allowed to have any opinions. (laughs) So there now, now you know the whole, the whole dirty story, but the friendship part. Well, and so then finally I was like, you know, I'm, I'm getting older and I've got a little bit of time and maybe, maybe I should like have dinner and Liam, my husband loves to cook. So uh, I said, look, why don't we do a dinner? And he says, no, no, I'll do a dinner. I'll do a dinner. And he invited, he said, I'm going to invite someone who I know you'll like, Wendy. And, And he invited you, Maureen. And the three of us had dinner and we cackled and drank and cackled and drank. And the three of us became Became really, really good friends, like so, almost
2: instantly.
0: Almost instantly. So, John, you're actually the connector.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yes.
2: Yes. And that's something, you know, that's a discussion maybe we can get into when you introduce two people and then they start cheating you.
1: <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> with each other. I just you told mean- <laughs> Wendy,
0: yeah. Yeah. Right before we started with uh, recording this, I said, you know, I don't know if you know this, but John told me once, well, you stole Wendy. <laughs>
1: Well, okay, so John and I are going to do a podcast, Maureen, so we're going to ditch you, and we're going to... Oh, so stab me now! Stab me now in the heart!
2: I'm kidding. Okay, so here's the funny thing about becoming friends with Wendy, for me, Um, and that is, when I was growing up, uh, my parents ran with a pretty interesting crowd in Montreal, and my mother always had this belief that uh, the expression she used, she was being high-hatted that you know everybody else was more important than her and she was not you know, equal to them. And I think that rubbed off on me because even growing up, I will never forget, uh, once my mother pointed out the real estate agent who had sold my parents their house and I thought, she is a huge celebrity. <laughs> I would never be able to talk to her. And so that has continued and it's not unique to me actually. Howard Stern talks about this. Like he'll do an interview with Bruce Springsteen but then he'll wonder, could I, could I send him an email? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, you know, Howard Stern is one of the biggest radio personalities in the history of radio. So I, I certainly thought, you know, Wendy, I'd be there on a Sunday night and I'd be delighted. But I would also think this is the famous Wendy Mesley. Who am I to be any more than the guy who drops into studio and then goes home? And it was our mutual friend, Adam Goldenberg, I think, who said, uh, we should do lunch. Yeah, And we did lunch and we had a grand old time. And then I introduced you to Maureen and she stole you.
1: <laughs> yeah, I- adam Goldenberg, he's he's like twelve and he's not allowed to have opinions now because he works at a law firm but uh but but he was great, so it was like you, you and I were the oldies we had a couple of youngies on and then but we had lunch and we became friends and then the three of us became friends and it was it was basically dinner at your house john with uh with your partner and uh, Maureen with her partner and we and we sat around and we i don't know we just kind of all and then now it's sort of become a ritual yeah. and
2: then I moved away I think I got a bit but, hammered at that party oh
1: no you never um, <laughs>
2: Me, never. Look, my Dean Martin (laughs) reputation is highly exaggerated.
1: I was. Well, it was nighttime. It was past 6 p.m. It was nighttime. Yeah. Um,
0: With all those partners, we should have square danced. I was just thinking. (laughs) All right, let's go. So friendship. Do you remember, John, let's start with you. Do you remember your first best friend? Like your childhood friend?
2: Yeah. Do you remember their name? Um, Yeah. Um, He'd probably probably be surprised to hear about it. But uh, I guess from about eight to 10 or so. There was a fellow named JJ Belanger who lived a block away. We both played hockey. His father was a coach. I will never forget his father is the man who taught me how to shake hands because he was the coach of the hockey team and he was making his way around the room while we were after the game. And he extended his hand and I didn't look up. I just put out my hand. Oh, you have to
0: look someone in the eye.
2: And he said, yeah, and it was one of those man lessons. He said, look a man in the eye when you shake his hand. And uh, I would say
0: that's a woman lesson too, while well, just for the record, I do not like ladylike handshakes that are like, you know, here's my little wet fish hand, so but go on,
2: sorry, yeah, so I mean, but we kind of drifted apart, uh probably about the age of ten, and yeah, I'm trying to think of who there was well, actually uh I, I guess all of these people are probably going to end up listening, uh Ian Shopperin, who is uh three weeks older than me. And we actually met when our mothers were carrying us in carriers at church. So we met when we were infants and we ended up being very good friends from elementary school through high school. And, you know, I don't know necessarily you guys are that interested in the whole story, but he was part of this foursome of friends, two guys, two girls in high school. And we are all still friends now.
1: Oh, wow. That's so nice, I don't have any childhood friends really no my first my first oldest, my oldest friend in the whole world is Louise Penny, who you know that I old, was Wendy why well, would have been a teenager? Does that count as childhood? Definitely. yeah of course. so I'm yeah. Just so grade nine, so I don't know i i because we moved around all the time, and so when Liam and I had the choice when our daughter was born, we we sent her, don't send her to the French school because you will never use that of course now she lives in Montreal uh let's send her to the neighborhood school so it's uh, yeah no what about you but you you went to a you went to a girl's school you must know
0: have- my uh, my had neighborhood friends in Dollard in Montreal um I just I just love saying her name my my first probably best friend was Josephine Stappenhorst um <laughs>
1: <laughs> did you break her <laughs>
2: Good one. Good it's one. Funny, if I could pause this, <laughs> everybody's childhood friends, their names sound funny.
0: Don't they, JJ
1: Belanger? <laughs> of course, Blarget. his father was a hockey. coach.
2: Louise Clement.
1: It was yeah. Louise Penny. That's not. It was, it was, Louis, a, little funny, yeah. it was a little bit funny, but don't tell her.
0: But uh, like Wendy, well, sort of like uh, my family moved to Toronto. I stayed in Montreal. I went to board- boarding school there, and I had friends in high school. But then I went to university in Ottawa, and then just moving around a lot. I, like my friends were all came in sort of comp- compartments. They don't like I don't have a gang. I still don't have a gang. You guys, you two, are about as close as I have to a gang. Everyone, oh, oh,
1: oh, yeah.
0: Yeah. So we'll have to
1: move back so we can have those dinners yeah. again. So we can be like, we can gang well, up. We're, we I, might I think be, we'd be we'd very scary. A, we have a lot of fun. <laughs>
0: so what do you look for in a friend, John? What's important to you?
2: Um, you know what? I mean, it's changed a lot with COVID and, and with aging. And I've got to the point where there's a couple of aspects to the last few years. One of them being we, we edited people down. i have never done transactional friendships. So that was never a part of it. But I don't do acquaintances because I ain't got time. And it was yeah, kind it's of all about Louise, time. Well, it's a Louise condo affair. I think with our friends, we just, you know uh, what is it? Does this bring you joy? And if not throw it yeah. out. Huh.
0: Oh, a uh, Marie condo.
2: Yes.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. does <laughs> if it doesn't bring you joy or serve a purpose, throw it out.
1: <laughs> well, I remember my mom saying that uh, that she was going to dump an old friend, and I thought that's horrifying. And now I'm like, I'm dumping them every sideways, yeah. frontways, everywhere. I just uh, it is it is about it is about time. So, but what do you look for in the ones that you keep, John?
2: Um, loyalty, comfort, just being able to hang with somebody, and you know, like you've been to Marine's Cottage, I've been to Marine's Cottage. I mean, you have to get there by boat. So you better, you better be happy once you're there.
0: <laughs> There's no stomping off.
2: It's like, I am leaving.
0: Um, no, you're not. Yeah. Not unless I take you.
2: And actually, my closest friend is Barry Garber, who I've known for about 30 years. And part of the formula of some friendships is coming up with whatever the, the chemistry is that is unique to that friendship. And the hilarious thing about Barry is he's an agent. And he agents for everything. Like when you arrive in a restaurant, he'll say to the person seating you, oh, it'd be so much better to be at that table because the server, is so close to the kitchen. And and it's only because he wants to sit at that table. It has nothing to do with the convenience of the server. And I've realized, because I travel with him a lot, just do what Barry wants. And so, you know, there was a time we arrived in a hotel and Barry walked into the room and said, this is unacceptable. I said, it's fine. And it, like my room, I was staying by myself. And he called down, Mr. Moore must have a different room. And I'm like, I'm good. But, you know, just go with whatever Barry says. So you're really
1: easygoing now?
2: I'm, you know what? I've always been the kind of go-along-to-get-along guy, Um so if I have some friends who can be domineering and I don't have a lot, but if I have friends who have their own vision, I just like, whatever, huh. I'll go to the other hotel. Well, how
0: do you end a friendship though? Do you just ghost them? Like if, do you, if you've decided to discard someone because they're neither useful nor yeah. beautiful, what's yeah. the, uh, what's the MO? How do you do
2: that? I don't know. You just, and I think a lot of people had this experience during COVID, which was you just, stopped calling people, and then people realized I don't have to see that person anyway. I've only got two actual ex-friends, and we don't have to get too deep into that. There's one who involved lawyers, and there's just another who, to come back to that term, it was a transactional friendship, and apparently I became non-interesting. How, really?
1: Uh, Hmm. Yeah, I find it, I don't know, a bit of a flashback here, but, uh, things ended rather uncomfortably at, uh, at CBC and, and a lot of people were very supportive. I was sort of portrayed as somebody that I'm not and I expected my friends to be supportive and they were privately, but they weren't publicly. And so. So that bothered me. So I, I think is, I'm sure the same thing has happened to you over the years, particularly with cancer, Marine, is, you know, like the people that I, I didn't respond to everybody because I was kind of a non-person during the cancer months. Um, but I will never forget the people who reached out, just like, so, so I think people, I think people, when they show their real colors as you get older or as you face a hardship, it's, it's that loyalty. So I'd, I'd like to say that all of my friends are warm and wise and funny, which sounds a little bit elitist. So there is a little bit of that. Um, they they do need to have certain qualities, but they, they also need to act like a friend. So there is something about loyalty. What about you, Maria? Uh, well,
0: I yeah, the funny thing, we all say loyalty, and I think I, we probably would have always said loyalty, but now I really mean it because things happen to you in life and – when you're younger, it's like, oh, I'm friends with them because they're funny and they're popular and 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 you know they do interesting things and I am having an exciting life because I'm friends with them. But as time goes on and stuff happens to you, whether you get sick or you have a change in job, which has happened to to, to all to all of us, but you and me, Wendy, we've had that in common, and leaving a place because you didn't, not because you wanted to, and your the way that your friends react, loyalty comes to the top, and and who was it who said? When someone shows you their true colors, believe them, or whatever that expression is. I absolutely. Yeah, yeah. That because now that matters tremendously. I think it's more important than anything that you can. You have friends that you can count on.
1: How many friends do you, do you have, Maureen and, and John that that you can count on?
0: Maybe five. Wow. Which two are you? Two of them are you? So that was three <laughs> <Hi>. others. <laughs> what do you need? Well, not including John, my husband, John. Yeah, I would say, I would say five.
1: A friend of mine who's uh, Jewish and has a, you know, a Holocaust background with her family said, and I never followed up on this, said, I know who, like who would hide us in the attic. Um, if it were to happen again, and I'd like to think that was me, but then her husband, who's not Jewish, wow. went off to a, a tour of Auschwitz, which is sounds terrible, um, and said that, that somebody who had survived it said, well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have put my family at risk if somebody came knocking at my, so I don't know, I don't know what the answer is, but let's say... Yeah. That you need something. You need ten thousand dollars. You need a place to hide hide. You've just been divorced, whatever. Like do you other than us, John, do you have people that you can go to? Because to me that's what Ooh. ultimately a friend is, is somebody that Oh yeah.
0: But would you do you have would you do that for somebody? Would you?
2: I don't know. I certainly would. Yeah. I mean, we actually were kidding around with a group of friends recently and somebody said, you know, I wouldn't be I, I'm not gonna be your friend unless you are close enough to me that you would change my diaper in the hospital. And I thought...
1: <laughs> no thanks, I'll hire someone. It's fairly wow. graphic and
2: disgusting. Um, <laughs> but but for, for many of us who uh, endured the height of AIDS, that's, that's a consideration.
1: Yeah. Hmm. Wow. So would you?
2: <laughs> I, for the two of you?
0: <laughs> I don't want anybody to change my diaper. It's not going to come to that. I promise you. At the same time,
1: where John? <laughs> okay,
0: this is weird, but it's true. It's absolutely true. It kind of is. John and I have agreed. John Moore and I agreed. I don't know how long ago we made this. We made this agreement. What we did agreed. we agree, John?
2: And this was, you know, it's informed by the fact that I think this was during the time you were fighting cancer. And you just looked at me and said, You're speaking at my funeral.
0: (laughs) And he said, Only if you speak at mine.
2: So I know. Maureen may have forgotten this, but I was at her father's funeral and she delivered this beautiful speech. And she's walking down the aisle and she looks at me and says, That's how you do it.
1: So have you written it? <laughs> uh, not that anything's going to happen. Oh no, no, immediately no, say that, Well, John's younger
0: than me, so chances <laughs> are it's going to fall upon him anyway. But yeah, the topic does come up whenever we're in some sort of not that we're often precarious situations, but it's like okay, I'm going to go. I'm going to go windsurfing, so you might start. You might start a rough draft.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh. and also
0: because John can be John's a brilliant. I mean, I went to your mother's funeral, John, and you know, everybody gets up to speak and then John gets up to speak. And all of a sudden everybody, you know, gets out the popcorn and goes, this is why we came because you're such a beautiful speaker.
2: It's a show, and right?
0: It is a show.
2: Your it mom is a show. not be there, but.
0: She would have been <laughs> awfully proud. That's another thing. Just, that just reminded me. One of the reasons why I love you so much is that you're very, you know, you're very reserved in a lot of ways and, 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 uh, but we surprised you at your mother's funeral because
1: surprise
0: (laughs) Uh, John, my husband and Terry DeMonte and I all met up in Montreal. We flew to Montreal and we went to without telling John Moore that we would be at his mother's funeral and, and the church was full. But I remember when you came in and we were sitting in the back, in the back pews and we all waved at you and the look on your face, you, you, you welled up and you turned pink And I was like, I would do, I would go to the ends of the earth for this guy because it obviously meant so much to you when you were taken aback. And anyway, it's one of the reasons why I love you.
2: You know what? Though I always say of funerals and and other important events, but especially funerals, nobody's taking attendance, but nobody will ever forget the people who made the distance. Yeah, and it's the same thing when you're ill. I'm sure for the two of you that you know, um, a lot of people back away from the unhappy moments in your life, and if somebody. Can overcome that. You know, I went to visit somebody just recently in the in the hospital who was dying, and I was going to press the button of the elevator. And I thought I could turn around and go away. I could turn around and go away. This is too hard. And I thought, no way, I could never forgive myself if I didn't go in and see him.
0: Good for you. Not there are a lot of people who just take the easy way out. You know, the women of ill repute. Onto something lighter. If you could have dinner with three people, and this is the thing, but like the people you'd like to be friends with, let's let's open it up to throughout history. Oh, boy. Yeah, but you know, not just because they're interesting. Like, oh, everybody says Oscar Wilde or,
2: you know. Because... Yeah, I was just thinking Oscar Wilde.
0: Yeah, I see. <laughs> he he must be busy in heaven if they're having Winston dinner parties Churchill, there.
2: Winston Churchill, but he'd high hat me.
0: Right. So... actually.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Which would be understandable, perhaps. Winston Churchill, John Moore.
0: Maybe mm. I should say not the dinner party question. What three people in the world, living or dead, do you think you could be friends oh, with?
2: that's a toughie. Because, like, I love Robert Frost, but I think he'd be an impossible friend. <laughs> 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 like, oh, here comes some more poetry about forks. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. I, um, I, You know what? I don't know about being friends. Uh, I think Bill Clinton would be a lot of fun to hang out with. Yeah,
0: well, he is a lot of fun. I think we that's official. fish <laughs>
2: more for you than me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Not anymore. Oh, I don't <laughs> Sorry. know.
0: He's still got that spark, you know?
2: Uh, I guess people would say Dorothy Parker, but, you know, she'd be smashed by Dan. Yeah, I, She'd
1: I, be I'm, drunk yeah. all the time. Yeah, I'll come. Yeah, I'd listen yeah. in on that. That'd yeah, everybody's sister. She's going to be on our podcast. We would, think, well, right? excuse, we're
0: trying to find today's <laughs> version of Dorothy Parker. which we, would be awesome. Women
2: of ill repute.
1: Yeah. Wendy? Yeah, and Carrie Fisher, she's kind of dead. Carrie well, Fisher would be uh, great. I'm, I could be Carrie friends. Carrie Fisher would with Carrie be Carrie Fisher would
2: be yeah. They were yeah. Massing, actually.
1: Yeah, so we should have got her just before she. So we might fight over this one, and she's kind of dead. Um, but uh, Lucille Ball, I would love to have dinner with Lucille Ball, and not just because she was funny and brave, but because she accomplished so much. I mean, her whole she was a producer. And she produced that show and she was like a, a business person and she was brave. So her and Dolly, and then I, I. Dolly pardon Tina Turner, maybe because she just died, but. Uh, um, <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's your condition. For well, she, no,
1: she's like, I'm not sure that she would be on my forever list. She's certainly on my today list, but. Uh,
0: people you admire are not necessarily, like as we said about Winston Churchill and Oscar Wilde, aren't necessarily the people you think would be there for you would help you, you know,
1: help you move. <laughs> I think they'd be fun. Yeah. No, friends, I I have a different list for, for friends. Somehow, I think me and Emma Thompson would be like best buds. Yes. Oh, yeah. We'll, we'll never meet.
0: But you know, <laughs> you know, well, you never know. Uh, they also say that friends should not, you know, if you're so similar, and this is something that's interesting, and Wendy and I are so similar in so many ways and have so, so many similar life experiences when we even look, look alike. We were interviewing someone from the states who'd never heard of either of us, and she said, "Frankly, I can't tell you two.
1: I'm the one with the glasses.
0: (laughs) Um, Yeah, well, I I could wear glasses too, but I don't because that would make it silly. Anyway, where am I going with this?" Ah, you're my friends. I don't have to have. Well, a point. there's
1: there's dead people who are interesting and who uh, may or may not support us because they've never heard of us. Like Winston Churchill, he's probably never. <laughs> I, I wasn't even alive. But uh, uh, Tina Fey. What about Tina? Or you know who we should get is uh, on our podcast, John, because uh, we're now doing podcast. Is uh, Julia uh, Lewis Drey- Dreyfus because she's like she oh, stole she our podcast. Own... I thought she was so
2: funny. I was just listening to her being interviewed on npr and not only is she fascinating but she's humble and i love and this is actually what jane fonda said to her so we're you know three degrees of separation now but she's doing a podcast as you guys know where she is seeking the wisdom of older women and one of the things that i thought was fascinating was jane fonda said no is a sentence Hmm. and what she was getting at is especially for women that people say no, but blah, 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 and they have to qualify it all. And Jane Fonda says no, just say
0: no. Just say no.
2: Hmm. Yeah. Just
0: say no. I thought say Nancy no. Reagan Nancy stole Nancy. that,
2: but
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. Well, women are women are always, you know, trying to to negotiate their stance, you know, rather than just saying this is how this is how I am, this is what I think, this is what I'm doing. It's always like, this is how I am, if that's okay. <laughs> yeah.
2: Can I take you guys back in time? Because one of the things I thought about, because you told me what you wanted the theme to be, was I wrote a column about this in the National Post when a friend of mine died in her, her 40s. And aside from, again, to come back to AIDS, it was the first time that one of my contemporaries died. And I was writing about what it was like to be friends with people in your 20s and their early 30s, where it's almost like the sitcom Friends. You just come and go. And you're at dinner and somebody shows up and then you decide, let's go to a club or let's go over to somebody else's house. Oh, somebody else is already visiting. And when I moved to Toronto in particular, I realized it takes like three weeks and a spreadsheet to arrange a single lunch or dinner.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I have a friend who uh, who I've known since Ryerson, which was, as I like to say, a thousand years ago, um, who at one point said to me, but I'm busy. I have a job. I've got kids and uh, I've got a lot of friends and I love you and everything. But once or twice a year, that that's all we can manage. But now, I don't know, I guess... Like, I know that Maureen finds it a little bit creepy to say, Hey, let's have lunch or dinner to somebody that you don't know that well. I'm just like, Hey, you want to have lunch? (laughs) You want to have dinner to somebody that I love? And if they say no, that's, you know, then that'll break my heart and I'll move on to the next person. But I've sort of been inviting myself lately. So it's, uh, it is about that getting older thing. Like life is short. Time is short. And uh, so, yeah, so the, the stuff that doesn't mean as much to me, I don't make much of an effort. But if, if it does, then I book because I find that people now that they're getting older and, and you're not retired, you're doing a morning show every friggin morning. I'm semi retired, except for the podcast we're starting and the podcast I do with Maureen. We're starting. <laughs> <laughs> I have news for you, Wendy. It's starting. <laughs> um, I have more, I have more news or I have more time. So I'm like, hey, want to hang out? And it's life is, life is changing. Want to hang out? I don't live close anymore, but want to hang out?
0: Well, (laughs) uh, let let me add to that. Um, I think you have to, to maintain or to have an interesting friendship with somebody else. You have to do more than just get together for dinner or for lunch. And that's one of the reasons why, you know, my big overture is asking people if they will, first of all, come to our cottage and secondly, travel with us so that we can go and have experiences and adventures and and uh, Wendy, you and Liam have come sailing with us. Uh, John, you would come if Mikey could get over his fear of sharks or whatever it is. <laughs> also, um,
2: I used to think if you went on a boat, you had to poop in a bucket. And apparently, that's not the case. <laughs> No, it flushes. Not the
1: boats that would have- <laughs> I don't know where, but it goes somewhere.
0: <laughs> there are some boats where you have to poop in a bucket, but, you know, we wouldn't put you through that. But the point being, you have to go have adventures, you have to have experiences. You have to get lost. You have to, as John, you know, have your luggage, your golf club stolen. You have to meet impossible people. You have to have shared experiences that you can that you can relish together. Otherwise, it's just lunch and dinner, catching up, catching up, catching up. Or you
1: up. can go to a club, but we're getting a little old for staying up till 4. I'd rather be clubbed. And then you start at four in the yeah. morning, but yeah. oh, you
0: know what, John? I have to tell you, so, I was in a thing last night for Cam H, was wonderful. Um, but there was an after party, and I didn't want to go. And everybody said, and you can relate to this. Everybody said, oh, you have to go. You don't have to get up early anymore. So there I am. It's ten o'clock at night. I'm downtown. I my like, my feet are hurting. I'm making small talk, and I'm like, you know what? I don't want. I don't go home because I have to go home. I go home now because I want to go home. So you're not missing anything, my friend.
2: Well, uh, but I will be very curious when I'm not doing morning radio because I get up at two in the morning for this show. Um, I want to know how late I'm going to stay up because back in the day, uh, I mean, you guys know that I was a stage actor at one point. So you'd get off stage at 1030, 1045 yeah. <laughs> and you'd be totally wired and you wouldn't go to bed until two o'clock.
1: So what are the residuals? So you were on two big shows and I read that you're getting residuals. So, so like, are you like super rich? Are you oh, yeah. like rolling in it?
2: I've been in, yes. Yeah, so the movies I've been in actually the whole nine yards I recently found out is the movie that has paid the most residuals in the history of Canadian film and television. And so I probably get about a thousand bucks a year just because somebody on an airplane is watching that, that movie. And I was going to, wow. I was going to. Yeah, I think it's a great movie. Really? Uh, The Day After Tomorrow is always in rotation. Wow. And even... Actually, I say, people still... This is kind of like, Dr. Penfield, I smell burning toast. People still shout that at a friend of mine in Montreal who appeared in that heritage moment. (laughs) Uh, In my case, people yell from across the street, Lower Manhattan is inaccessible.
0: (laughs) That's That's your greatest line of the movie. The reason
2: I'm shouting... Is to shoot that scene. They had these giant industrial sprinklers that are like (laughs) the lights that you put into uh, a shopping mall parking lot, and I had an airplane engine directed at me.
1: (laughs) So you had to yell. But are you going to go back on Jeopardy? Because I I didn't see it, but I, but I, you know, I I think the first time I met you, you told me you were on Jeopardy, and I was like, whoa, (laughs) it's been a big deal. Whenever people
2: talk about my Jeopardy experience. I always say, "Do you wave guns around members of the Kennedy family?" I mean, <laughs> no, I'm not going hey, back to Jeopardy. It was horrible.
0: You're not. You're not going. I'm, you're, I say this in the nicest possible way. You're not going anywhere. <laughs> you stay right where you are. Mornings on uh, News Talk 1010. Uh, you know what's the great thing? Is I'm looking at the clock and I feel like you've been on for 10 minutes. But as Wendy likes to say, we are out of time. Um, so isn't that weird commercial? Yeah.
2: Coming up. When women of ill repute continues, John says
1: Well, you did our first promo. When we were starting out, you did you were like the voice of women of ill Repute. so you are like an honorary yeah. woman of ill repute now.
2: Well you guys name checked me in the first episode and I thought, oh, they're talking about me.
0: Woman of ill repute, yeah, for sure. Is it over now? Because we're doing our podcast, me and John. It's uh, it's been a pleasure, John. Knowing you, (laughs) it kind of has to be. Yeah, we could we could do another half hour, but how about we just have? Thank you, John.
1: Yeah, it's lovely to see you, and hope to see all three of us, all six of us together soon. Yeah, so be lovely.
0: Well, that was just like going
1: for lunch without the alcohol. I don't know. It, it's lovely with alcohol. It's lovely without. I yeah. I miss him. I, I I need to like live closer so that we can like hang out because he's he's such a cool guy. And, he is. Yeah. He's a lovely,
0: lovely guy. He's you know the thing about John. Um, he's hilariously funny, and I think you only see a little bit of that on News Talk Ten Ten because it's a fairly serious job. Uh, and he's also deeply, deeply kind. Um, and I guess those are maybe the two most important things that i
1: look forward to friend i loved well friendship is friendship is pretty special um and i i I think the warm and funny part is something that i the the wise and funny the smart and funny means a lot to me but that's you know not everybody worthwhile has all of that to offer yeah but he does and he's kind and he's funny and he works so hard he cares he cares so much like he's i don't know he's like one of those people who never sleeps uh, maybe he doesn't if he gets up at two in the morning, but uh anyway, I just I love meeting him
0: i've I've spent enough time with him he he gets by on very little sleep he's one of, he, yeah, he's one of those people he's not he doesn't need to sleep as much he doesn't eat very much, even though he's a fantastic cook. he kind of is a, a bit of an ascetic that way um but uh still,
1: I remember when he was going to go back to law school, I was like, what John
0: really like you <laughs> you've <laughs> had five schools already." He's always trying to take learn something new, which is yeah. something that you know is, is inspirational for anybody. Friendship, uh, 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 whether it's a friend or not. Um, listen, Wendy, you, you basically have to come back to Toronto because we're here and you're there. So why don't you make a point of coming in and spending uh, spending a weekend or something? We can sit around in our pajamas.
1: Yeah, yeah, huh? I miss uh, I miss I miss John. Well, I miss yeah. you, but I oh, see you all the you time. See
0: you all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I still love you
1: though.
0: <laughs> I love you too. Women of Ill Repute was written and produced by Maureen Holloway and Wendy Mesley, with the help from the team at the Sound Off Media Company and producer Yet Belgraver. Come on a journey like no other, where you will discover many rogues that will lead you to a happier, healthier, and more stress free life. And the beauty is, you don't need any vacation time for this adventure